I have Peter Gerard with me. How you doing, Peter? Hey, I'm great. Good morning. Oh, thank you. This is my first uh, actual live phone call, so thank you very much for tagging along with me. Well, it's great. It's better than a dead phone call. So. Yeah, it's better than a dead phone call. Yeah, those are kind of creepy. Yeah, you know, that's kind of the thing about my show here is off the couch is, uh, you know, it's for those of uh, who are sitting on the fence about getting off the couch. And I'm trying to help them, uh, people find their their way into getting out there. You know, they might look a little stupid doing it. They might, be, you know, they might not feel like, hey, this is... You know, they're getting the results they want right away, but I just want them out there. And it's sort of like the radio show. You know, sometimes I come here and, and uh, you know, I'm kind of clumsy with pushing things, but, you know, I still push through. So that's, uh, you, know, it's, you know, it's like if they're going to push through and, you know, I'm going to push through. And, you know, so here we are. So you're basically saying if we forget into bicycling. Uh, people can push through the horror of being seen in public in Lycra and get past it. Yes, yes. There you, there you go. <laughs> I knew I picked the right guest. Um, I just wanted to say, uh, Peter Gerard, you work for you work with uh, Irvine Bicycles, and uh, your son is actually the DJ before me. And yeah, uh, nepotism going here or got, something like that. N- no, no. As long as we don't push the, push anything, we're we're doing just fine. But uh, yeah, he was. Uh, I I told him I've been trying to get a a, a bike uh, guest on forever, and he says my dad does this. And uh, so uh, he's quite a young man. I just want I just wanted to say that over the air. So uh, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. But uh, um, I just wanted to, uh, okay, the, the questions I was going to ask him were some entry-level questions, like picking a bike and uh, maintenance and things like that. Because, uh, you know, when, when I, I got started riding, I, you know, I got myself a good garage sale 10-speed, and I, I maintain it like I thought, I, I used to do my BMX bikes. You know, I, I made sure it had 40 pounds of pressure in the tube, and WD-40 was good for everything. So, you know, I would just get on my, you know, underinflated bike with the WD-40 on, on the um, the chain, and, you know, I didn't enjoy it as much, you know. Well, it, it, it definitely uh, a little bit of air and a little bit of lubrication goes a long way to making it enjoyable. So, so I wanted to talk about maintenance, and I wanted to talk about getting the right bike. There's a lot of bikes out there, you know. Like I see the singles, or or what are you, the fixies? I see the beachcombers. I see, you know, like you, you know, your ten speeds. Uh, when I talk to women, they're always having trouble getting the right bike for some reason. So, I mean, like if you can, could we run through some of the kind of the bikes that you you see in the area, and what you think of them, pro and cons, about how you would use them and where you would ride them. Sure. There's. Uh, this could take forever, but I'll try to be kind of brief with it. I have an hour uh, show. <laughs> there's three. There's sort of roughly three kinds of bikes: mountain bikes, road bikes, and with you know tri bikes and some specialty items in there. And with mountain bikes, you've also got downhill bikes and some cross country. There's a lot of differentiation. And then there's sort of a bike in the middle called a hybrid bike, which if you don't know if you want to do mountain or road, kind of lets you do both but it's sort of like a second cousin that's really not perfect. If you really want to ride fast on the road, it's a little too upright. And if you really want to go mountain biking, they're generally just not sturdy enough bikes. But for some people, they just cross over or hybrid. They, they do really, really well. Um, that's so you, sort of roughly types of bikes. So you're not in love with the hybrids? I mean, you're, um, you're, If it gets you out and riding and that's what you want to do and you have fun with it, the whole purpose of biking 
is to go out and have fun. We live in an area where you can ride 350 days a year. There's parts of the world that would die to be able to ride for half the amount of time that we have good weather. And honestly, we're really spoiled. You know, we can just say, oh, it's the roads are wet. I am not riding today, and it's going to, you know, so they have 364 days left to ride in the year. Um, so good point. So yeah. the other the other kind of bikes you say the hybrid uh, those are those are like a somewhere in between, but not really good for either. Yeah, I mean you can do distance on a hybrid. The better one you buy, um, more gears, uh, a sturdier frame. Part of it gets into the money you buy. You can buy a a bike at Walmart or Costco, and you know the old line you get what you pay for. Right. Uh, I've seen at our shop and I've seen at other shops, the kind of running joke is people will come in and say, I got a bike for $200 at you know, one of these um, mass merchant stores, which they're usually not very well put together. And we've had people buy them and come in two weeks later and spend $200 making them work. Um I did kind of get want to get into that. Is uh, you know I, I do want to talk about the you know the kinds of bikes to get, but uh, one of the things I see people do is they do go to the, one of these the, you know the, they buy the two hundred dollar bikes and they don't ride it anymore. Yeah, and, it's partially because the bikes don't get fun to ride. They make noise, they creak, the brakes rub against each other. Um, you know, sometimes you get a good one, sometimes you don't, and if the bike's not working well, and kind of to the point you were talking about. With your BMX bike, you know, you get to the point where it's not rolling well, it's it's not fun to ride, and, um, and that's going to be true of any bike from a Walmart type of bike to a really good road bike or a high-end mountain bike. If you don't do basic stuff on it, you tend not to ride it because it's not fun. Are they cheaply made, or is it just that they're not properly tuned? Yes. <laughs> to all of that. To all of that. Uh, you'll get parts that are, instead of being forged metal, might be stamped metal. I mean, I've seen brakes where you could take the caliper and bend it with your hand pretty easily. Okay. And, you know, some people buy, you know, the, the kind of the funniest one is people will buy a full suspension mountain bike, um, you know, for a few hundred dollars. And God help you if you take that anywhere that you really need a full suspension mountain bike oh, for looks. You mean it looks like a it looks like a bike and that's what you're getting is, is a bike that looks like a, like, it's it functional. looks like a bike that you could take and do some serious mountain biking with, and if you do, the the front fork usually is is very very inexpensive, and you just you wear it out quickly, and there's really no way to fix it. Um, one of the other downsides is oftentimes you'll find that to replace the fork is cost as much as the bike cost. Okay. Now, there's an economy of scale with all for all you uh, economics people out there listening to this from campus. If I, at a shop, if you come in and say, I need to buy a, a, a kit, a, they call it a Grupo, all the gears and chain and crank set and all that, you're buying one, I'm buying one. When the manufacturer built them, they're buying 10000 Wow. So you can take a bike that's a $400 bike, and the fork on it that comes on it can be between two and $400. Wow. If you just go to buy it to replace it. So wow. that's the sort of, just like with cars, if you part them out, you're shocked at how much it would cost you to build a car compared to, you know, the car that you buy at the lot. So, so um, you know, I, I didn't want to, I didn't know how to say this. I've been thinking about this ever since I was thinking about doing a bike show is, do you, like, have a minimum that you would pay for a bike? I mean, is, is like, when you say 200 we're laughing at $200 bikes. I mean, is there a point where you go, okay, if you're going to get out on that bike and you're actually going to enjoy it, do you have, you know, how much would you expect to pay at any bike shop to to get an in, a good entry-level bike? 
Um, if you want a, a reasonably good entry-level mountain bike that you would actually take off-road, you can probably count on spending between four and five hundred dollars at a minimum end. Um, as an example, the, there's a there's a mountain bike series now called Twenty Nine Inch, which has a taller tire, right? And you can spend about um, six hundred dollars and get one that's a pretty solid bike, and for a hundred dollars more. You'll get one with a step up in all the components and also with a fork that you can lock out. So if you're riding on the road, the bike's not bobbing up and down. Right. And these are features that, um, are, are if you're really going to ride a lot, are, are nice to have. I know we looked at a bike for a customer and the difference between the $100 difference that if the guy said, well, in three months when I really ride, I'm going to buy the different fork, the fork was $400. Wow. So you might as well just kind of... Figure out what you're going to do. Ask yourself the tough questions. You know, am I going to really ride the bike? Or if I spend a little more money, is it going to push me to want to really ride the bike? Right. Um, you know, don't buy a bike and think you're going to, in a few months, upgrade it. Because um, it's going to cost you a lot more than just buying the next model up um, will cost you. Okay. So back, back to what we were talking about with the, the, the types of bikes. I mean, I look at the Fixies. That looks like a lot of fun, but I'm not sure, you know, I want that for commuting. Or I look at the beachcombers. I see a lot of beachcombers. Beach cruisers. Beach cruisers. I'm sorry. That's what I have you for. The uh, um, I, I see a lot of those on eBay. You know, like people bought them and it wasn't for them. And uh, uh, so uh, what kind of bikes are out there and what kind of bikes, I mean, for if you could go through them, so... All right, we'll start with beach cruise, beachcombers and beach cruisers, and beach cruisers are kind of for beachcombers. Bikes have big tires. They're, you're laid back in your position. The bikes are heavy. They're great for going four or five miles, maybe a little more on flats. If you start even to go over an overpass for most people, it's laborious. The okay. bikes are heavy. They're geared for a certain terrain. Um, they're great to go down and ride the uh, paths along the beaches. I mean, that's where they got the name from. Um, but if you're going to start riding any kind of distance or do any kind of terrain, you generally want something lighter or something with gears. Right. And that moves into the fixed gear kind of a bike. And those are really fun. You can ride them. Most of the ones will have what we call a flip-flop rear hub. One side of the hub has a fixed gear on it, so you're always pedaling forwards or backwards or stopping. You're using the pedaling to control the bike and balance the bike and, in a lot of cases, to stop the bike. The other side of it has a gear on it that actually freewheels, so it'll let you coast. Right. So you have one gear, and people that really get into fixies will spend some time figuring out what gear ratio is going to be the best balance between being able to go up a hill and not having your legs spin really wildly going down a hill. Um, so that's sort of the downside of fixies, but the, you know, the beauty of them are they're generally just simple. You've got a right. simple bike. A lot of people that get good are phenomenal bike riders, and the balance um, and what people can do on it is amazing. You've seen pro probably you've seen people at stoplights just doing a track stand. You know, just right. one position. It's, it's really really good balance. Uh, the better people get, the more they tend to, as a cult item, take the brake off of the bike or both brakes off the bike. In California, you're legally required to have one brake, so. You know, you kind of take your chances with that, and you get to some areas with um, police officers that are very looking for things like that. Um, you get in trouble. And we've heard 
great stories from riders and from the police that you want to ride a lot of tickets and make some easy money, go to the high schools and the colleges <laughs> at the beginning of the year and just sit by the campus and write fix-it tickets. And then it's fun because the kids, if you're under 18, your parents have to go deal with it. Okay, so wait, I, I thought it was like that, you know, like my old BMX bikes where you just kick it backwards and, and it stops. You, you know, it's, it's done with the foot, right, because it's a fixie. Well, the, your old BMX bike, if you stop pedaling, coasts, right? Uh. No, actually, my my old bike. It was like when I was a kid. It was like a, you know, you could stop it with your feet. Right, but you pedal back. You pedal backward. There's a back brake on it, on a lot of the bikes. Okay. But if you if you happen to be going down a hill and didn't want to pedal, you could just stop pedaling. The bike could keep going. Right. Okay. Well, fixie, in a fixed position, not a single speed. A single speed, let's say, is a bike that you can either pedal or not pedal. A fixed bike, you always have to be pedaling. Okay. And you can stop a fixed bike by physically stopping pedaling and backing off on it. And if you ever go look at a track race, they've got one where two guys race against each other, and it's a matter of who jumps first because the guy behind always has the advantage because he can come around them. And you'll see guys actually pedal backwards on on an angle on a track on a bike. And that doesn't count as a break to the cops? No, it does not count as a break because as good as you can be, and you can be probably brake almost as well as a regular road bike. You can't just stop quite the same way. Your oh. bike fishtails. You have the appearance of looking like you're out of control. Right. And, uh, you know, realistically, if you got in an accident, from my perspective, if you got in an accident, you'd, you'd probably have a lot of trouble explaining away that you were really a proficient, excellent bike rider <laughs> who can stop on a dime. And the first thing they're going to say is, you didn't have a break. You didn't you have a break. Possibly have stopped. Yeah, the, the accident wasn't my fault, but I'm a good cyclist. Is yeah. a, is the thing. Okay, so uh, basically, if if you get a fixie, you're you're probably going to want to get one of those brake things, so the uh, cops don't give you a ticket. And yeah, it's probably the people thing. have a front brake is you just legally have to have one brake. Front brakes are more effective than rear brakes, and I've seen people have them on there, and the brake doesn't even touch the rim. But if you look at it, there's a brake there. there. If they just have it, there's a brake there. Now, uh, can is there anything about writing that? I mean, it looks kind of like uh, you, you know you're stuck with a, a a concept. If you know, could anyone get on a fixie and and just get up and write it, or is it is it about you know, do you have to pick the right gear to get into it? Does it take practice or? Or would you I, recommend? Oh, it takes practice because you you can't stop pedaling. You, you can't know, stop bicycles pedaling. Bicycles have a certain amount of uh, the dynamics of biking is the wheels have a gyro. I'm told have a gyroscopic stability. As you pick up any kind of speed, the bike wants to stay upright right. and wants to travel in a straight line. Or if you happen to lean the bike, it will turn in the direction that you're leaning it. Um, fixed gears. You since you're always pedaling, you know the in- instinct sometimes is to. If you've ever ridden a regular bike, is you you coast a little bit, right? And then a fixed gear, you go to coast a little bit, and your feet keep going, and you can't. So, it's, um, but it's, it's a it's a it's a skill. I mean, in a way, it's like you know learning ballroom dancing or something. It's it it's different than normal riding, and it's a skill, and it develops uh, some actually some you know really really dedicated road cyclists love having fixed bikes because they feel that the constant rotation through evens out their pedal stroke when they get back on their road bike. And there's people that weekly or monthly do fixed gear century rides in the area. They'll ride 100 miles on a Saturday on fixed bikes. So you're saying it's good for training? Yeah. A lot of people do it, and fixed bikes, again, are what you use if you go to the track. And you can go up to Dominguez Hills. There's a world-class cycling track. 
you can rent bikes, take lessons, and you know learn about track racing and really learn how to handle them. But they're you know fixed bikes are also kind of a what's the word hipster. There's a you know, right. community of people that there's a look to them. They're fun bikes. Um, there's you know as with everything else, it wasn't enough just to have it. Now there's clothing lines and dedicated right. bike lines, and it's you know a little cult. I see the kids at night, you know, riding their in their little groups, you know, uh, you know their little, you know, ruffian bike groups with their fixies, yeah, <laughs> doing and, their. Know, it's, it's, it's good exercise and it's fun and it's you know another way of having your own community. Okay, you know, what I like about them is uh, I don't know. I have this theory in my mind anyway that they look like they got to be easy to maintain. Yeah, for the most part, the 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 biggest problem you'll you'll see with fixies is people um, wearing out tires. There's certain gear combinations that any time you want to break, it's always going to end up at the same place on the tire. So you'll people will come in with tires that look perfectly brand new, except for one spot that's worn all the way through the casing. Really, really. Um, because especially if you're using it, you know, you're skidding when you stop. That's how how it works. Um, and bending and breaking wheels and breaking spokes because you know. Oftentimes, you know, jump curbs uh, run into things, and the bikes um, generally hold up really well. Uh, but, you know, wheel maintenance and that is, is the biggest problem. It, but the, since there's only, you know, a chain's a little bit thicker chain for the most part, so they last longer and just keep a little oil on them, keep air in your tires, you're good. And the other big problem we see with fixies, a uh, problem I guess is not really a great word, is but more to your point earlier, people forget to inflate them. Go right. off the curb and pinch flat the tire. Right. Okay. Uh, the okay. Don't you get more power out of a, a fixie? I mean, just well, for at some point, yeah. You. I mean, you're going to have to power the bike because you don't have any option to do anything but power the bike. So if you're riding a gear that's comfortable going down a um, university drive, and then you decide to try to go up Shady Canyon or Ridgeline, all you, all you can do is power it. Okay, <laughs> you have no choice. You're kind of stuck with it. Okay, what what other? Why would I pick a fixie over a touring bike? Um, Am I picking simplicity? the right? I'm thinking uh, you're going to be. Let's say you're going to use it for commuting. You got a five mile commute on flat ground. Why why not just have a simple bike? Okay, okay. There you go. There you go. So why do you like the touring bike? It might uh, to to most people when we say touring, we're talking like ten speed. In their yeah, vernacular, and ten speed is you know bikes that have uh, a couple gears in in front or two or three gears in front, and somewhere between um, five and eleven gears in the back. You know, ten speed is kind of a funny term because when they coined it, there were two gears in front and five gears in back, and two times five is ten, so it's a ten speed. And now we're up to bikes that have two gears in front and ten, eleven gears in back, right. uh, so they're twenty-two speeds. But ten speeds is kind of stuck. Okay, but you don't use the whole ge- the whole gear. I mean, you don't. I mean, um, when Most you use people, the no, but the 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 point of the whole thing is if if let's just talk about road cycling. Okay. In a lot of ways, if you're going to do distance on a road bike, or, or you're going to maybe compete either with a real race or just against yourself, um, road biking is kind of about efficiency and getting power to the pedals. So if you're going to fit a road bike and play around with it. You want to kind of get your knee in a certain place. Ideally, you get shoes that have the pedals that clip in. You right. get the cleat in a place on the shoe that is kind of optimal for how your foot is structured. 
and then you get your knee lined up over the pedal, you get a certain amount of extension, and then you can look at the front end of the bike to make it comfortable or more efficient aerodynamically, kind of whatever you want to do. And so you're going to be looking at these bikes to be able to find a, a cadence, which is the amount of times your uh, pedals are turning over, that is efficient for you. And for most people, it's somewhere between 85 and 100 RPM. Okay. And be able to maintain that um, over distance and fine-tune it as you go. So there's some gears that you may not use a whole lot, um, but you know you get to uphills and you've got you can maintain that pace, or you're able to climb because you've got a really low gear. And when you're going downhill, uh, instead of just coasting, you you can actually pedal the bike and not just be spinning wildly. Um, and then there's all these little fine tunes within there that give you the ability to be going at a pace that your body likes. All right. So so when you switch the gears, it's all about keeping the cadence. Yeah, keeping the cadence. Or uh, you know basically. <laughs> When you get to start up the hill, you if you forget to change, you you find yourself, you know, almost falling over because you're in the gear you just came off on a downhill and you can't pedal it. Right. Okay. Uh, so. Okay. So uh, as as far as the, from my understanding, when like when we said two times ten, you don't use all the gears. Uh, like like the the first gears you'll use like the smaller ones or the like you use the 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 left gears and the right gears so to yeah, speak. Yeah, the left gears generally change your front derailleur in, in a way. Your two front gears are like your big adjustments. Right. The change in the effect of your pedaling is is really great, and your back where you've got your somewhere between six and eleven teeth, those are like your fine tunes. Okay, and what you'll want to do is you want to you know learn how to do your cadence, and that's when you'll learn like which gears. To yeah, get you'll that find out. where you're comfortable, and you know you're gonna. There's probably a core number of gears that are the ones you use, and oftentimes you'll find people with bikes that they'll have worn out on the back five or ten or eleven gears. They'll have worn out two or three of the gears because those are what they use all the time. Now, when we're talking about the gears and the brakes and the derailleurs and things like that, uh, how important are those? I mean. Like when we're talking about the Kmart and Target bikes and all those, is you know the frame, you know they they have heavy frames or whatever. Is there something also about the gear that they need to know about the 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 mechanics, the sure. parts? Um, there's uh, levels of bike components, and sometimes the design and the engineering changes within them. And there's there's also the cool factor. You know, if you have the you know. For, from Shimano, if you have Durace or Ultegra stuff from Campagnolo, right. which is an Italian company, if you have Super Record or Record, you know, those are kind of the cool ones. SRAM, uh, the Red or the Force are the kind of cool groups to have. So there's a Gucci element to it, but there's also um, an element within the components that um, you can take, take for instance, Shimano. There's right. Durace, Ultegra, and then 105 is sort of their first three groups, and the engineering is pretty much the same within them, but as you get into the expensive stuff, you get lighter materials, better finishing, tighter tolerances, uh, everything works a little more quickly, uh, and it lasts usually longer. So the top stuff sometimes will have three-year warranties where the next step below and, and below that may have one-year warranties. Now, will they feel it? I mean, you know, I mean, the difference between... Getting the lower level and, and a little bit better, you will feel it? Yeah, most people can come in and um, generally we'll, we'll have a road bike in as a first price point road bike from a company 
that has a lower end component and it will have the same frame, same bike with the next step up. And most people, even just starting out, can feel the difference in the shifting. Okay. But if you want your biggest bang for your buck, um, I would maybe save the money on the shifting and try to upgrade to a nicer wheel set because you'll notice a wheel set. Okay. The wheels a lighter, more responsive, better, uh, better bearings, better constructed wheel is way more noticeable and has way more effect on your riding than the components. Okay, so uh, you would put that above, like, the bike frame and all the others? I mean, as far as... No, so the bike okay. frame, you know, if you, if the heavier the frame, the softer the frame, uh, depending on how it fits you. Um, you. You still can adjust the bike frame to kind of fit people because you can move the seat up and down. You can make, move the seat back and forth. You can put different length stems and handlebars on it. So you can kind of work with that as long as it's relatively close. Um so the frame is important. The components are important. You know, it, it, it's a system. Uh, a system. I don't know if I'm answering yeah. your question. You are. You are. You are. You, you, so uh, okay. So you get this bike. You get a nice frame. You get the you get the components, and it, they are important. Like you know, because to me it was like uh, when, when before I started biking, um, you know, I'd ride to school like five miles there, five miles back, and then go back for lunch, and then the weekend I'd ride to Redondo Beach, which was a 60-mile round trip, and a bike was a bike. And I was like, who are you fooling? You know, I could get a, a good bike at, you know, at one of these other stores for like $200. Who are you fooling that you're trying to talk me into a $500 bike? Well, you and, have actually a wonderful mindset because, in, in a way, although we have the wonderfully discredited Lance Armstrong's first book called It's Not About the Bike. It's not about it's the bike. About, it's about the enjoyment of it. If you're out right. there on a $200 bike and you're having a great time, you know, that's fantastic. You know, if you're riding the bike, sometimes you sit there, well, I wonder if my derailleur's right, or should I have bought a different tire? You know, you're you're missing the point sometimes. Right. So just as long as you're having a good time, if you're having a $200 bike and it works and you have a great time, wonderful. But you're probably going to at some point go, you know, this thing, you, you'll get on a bike that's nicer and ride it in the same place, the same hill, and go, Oh my gosh! It's like I sprouted wings. Right, right. That that was what happened to me when I actually like you know spent a little more money on it. It was like, oh my gosh, this was <laughs> this was a whole different ride. Yeah. Now, um, now let's get back to the what? What are the other? Are there any other bikes that we should be talking about for people to consider? Well, you've got your three types of bikes, and you know you kind of balance what you're going to do. Um, mountain bikes are really fun, especially in dirt and pack, uh, pack trails to mountains. To, depending on the kind of bike, you can get more or less suspension, heavier-duty bikes. Uh, some people buy bikes that are almost so specific to going downhill fast with a lot of suspension that they'll weigh 40 to 50 pounds and are not a lot of fun to go uphill with. And you'll see people at ski resorts often, they'll take the chairlift up with those kind of bikes and just bomb down the hill. Okay. Mountain bikes also... If you're going to start riding on the road with them, if you ride the traditional 26-inch tire thing and you go out with people on road bikes, the sort of general rule of thumb is people will go, after 20 minutes, I'm riding with friends, and I'm, I'm doing everything I can to keep up with them. I'm out of breath, and they're just chatting away and not looking like they're working. And part of it is that the road bike, the size of the tire and the fact it's lower, lower rolling resistance, it's easier on the road. Of course, if you went found a mountain trail, the road people would be in deep trouble, but right. um, the other kind of, um, what's getting popular in mountain bikes is going to different size rims. So 29-inch rims instead of 26-inch rims is, gives you a rim about the same size as a road bike, and 
uh, we've got a few people that will buy those and switch out the tires or just use them for commuting because they carry speed and come accelerate more like a road bike and you mm. keep up with people. Now there's even an intermediate size that's a 27-and-a-half-inch tire, which doesn't have a whole lot of traction yet, but it's... Um, it kind of gives you the best of what the 26 bikes do, which are really maneuverable. You can throw them around in the, on dirt and on trails where the 29s are, go over things better, and it's a cushier ride. Now, uh, my concern is, like, when I see people buy really cheap bikes, you know, this show wasn't about don't buy cheap bikes, but um, I actually saw people where they go out and they bend the rims because they thought they bought a dirt bike. And yeah, well, that's, you know, you can bend a rim on a really expensive okay. bike really? and buy, break a $2,000 or $3,000 wheel, and there's a lot of those out there uh, if you use them for the wrong things. I mean, if you take a uh, really expensive carbon rim that's meant for road and start doing uh, single-speed uh, tricks on it, it may not hold up really well. Although there's a really great video of a guy on a top-end road bike with carbon rims who's a um, freestyle um does BMX freestyle biking, and this guy just is hopping the bike off of curbs, off of stair steps, uh, hopping it up onto railings, and um, r- riding um, along the uh, suspension parts of bridges, and it's just phenomenal, and, and the bike holds up. So it's sort of a testament to some of the newer materials and carbon fibers and just how durable they can be. Wow, that's awesome. So, okay, so the, the, those are our type of bikes. Okay, um, let's talk about fit, getting the right bike for you. I mean, like the fit. I know my wife, uh, you know, she tried on like 10,000 bikes. The women uh, have had issues with getting the right bike, the right fit. And, uh, you know, just like a, it, just getting the right bike, uh, how, how would I go about doing that? Uh, you're if you really want to get, especially a road bike, let's just kind of talk about road bikes a little bit. Um, you want to get something that lets you get your body in the right position. Let me talk a little about about efficiency, which kind of comes from how much leg extension you have versus where your knee comes over. Okay. For just a general road bike. So if you get on a bike that won't allow the seat to move back and forth enough or that you have to move the seat so forward and, and put a tiny stem on, you're probably not in a good balance point on the bike. So you need you should go somewhere. Uh, you know you're probably going to find a little more expertise at a bike shop than you're going to find at a department store. Right. Um, and have someone look at you on a bike. And it, there's no absolutes in this. I mean, you can take a bike, and if you ride every day for four months, the bike's going to feel different. You're probably going to want a little more extension everywhere. And if you don't ride for a month or two, you get on the same bike and go, you know, this thing feels horrible. I'm too stretched out. Everything's in the wrong place. Um, but to the idea of, of looking at it, you kind of decide what kind of bike riding you want to do. And within road bikes, um, there's sort of two general uh, styles right now. One's called endurance road. Uh, okay. For a while, everybody was calling it plush performance, which I think actually describes what it's supposed to do better than endurance road. But endurance road sounds less... Uh, it sounds more serious than plush performance, and really quickly, a plush performance bike will be just like a normal racing bike, right. except the wheelbase will be a little bit longer, and the front end of the bike can be a little taller. They tend to be more comfortable. They tend to absorb shock a little bit better. So you get people that um, 
that want to do some of the century rides and charity rides because there's so many of them. Right. Uh, the MS ride, um, uh, there's there's probably a ride a week um, almost in the area. And they'll say, I want to do that ride, but I'm not going to be riding 150 miles a week to train for it. I can ride some, and I want a bike that if I ride 100 miles, I'm not going to get off it and feel like I find a chiropractor. Right. Um, so that kind of bike, um, you kind of look at that, ride that bike, ride a road bike, feel what, where it's going to work for you, um, and then decide what you really, uh, how athletic you are. Know yourself. Know, you know, if you get into sports and you're, you do something, and you a week after buying your golf clubs, you go, I should have bought the better set because I'm really into this. Right. Do the same thing with bikes. You know, I'm going to ride this bike a lot. Should I get the entry level bike or the one step up? Um, we had a guy who was one of the most uh, enjoyable uh, people I've worked with. He was from Switzerland. He was transferred here in February, and he walked into the shop, and he had this heavy German-Swiss accent and just this bemused look on his face and kind of wondrous look going, I didn't know you could ride bikes here year-round. I can't be without a bike. I thought in Switzerland I can only ride for three or four months out of the year because of you know snow and everything. And he says, I know this one brand. He picks out a bike, rides it, and it's a you know, step above entry-level aluminum bike with a carbon fork. He goes, I love this bike. I hate these wheels. And they were just tanks of wheels. That's how they spec the bike out to make it hit a certain price. And So he buys a $1,500 bike and trades in the wheels and buys a $1,000 set of wheels. And the bike was wow. like a completely different bike. And you felt it. It, had, it came to life. It accelerated. It cornered better. Um, and those are the kind of, you know, that's I'm kind of getting off of your case no. of how to figure out a bike here a little bit. But you'll, you'll, you'll go to a, a shop, preferably, um, or work with someone that knows bikes well, that happens to be your friend that's not, you know, doesn't tell you to buy Brand X because that's what they have because some people, they work, you know, different brands work better for different people and have different feels. So you try some sizes. Um, most shops will you know, put you on a size, and then if you actually get to buy the bike, um, you'll get the bike fit to you. And occasionally you'll put a bike on a fitting stand and realize that that particular size maybe really isn't optimal. You need to go to a different one, just the way the person sits or they have longer arms or shorter arms. or they're, you know, We could take two people that are 5'10", and one's going to have a 34-inch inseam, and one's going to have a 30-inch inseam, and they're going to need a different fit on the bike. They're going to sit differently on the bike, and that's the kind of things you look for. So, so even um, e- even the quality of the bike, it would be um, you'd rather be on a, a bike that a cheaper bike that fits correctly than a more expensive bike that doesn't. Well, it depends on you know, on your Gucci factor. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, you know, well, what happened to me? I got to tell you a little story. Is my when my uh, grandfather and in law died. He left us all his bikes, and um, we didn't know it. But we we're riding around. They had Camby parts, the Cambignola parts, uh-huh. and we we didn't know that. So we had no idea we were riding around on really good bikes. So, <laughs> so you know, for us, we just thought they were garage sale bikes that you know the guy left us. So it was like, hey, these are really good riding bikes. So I I didn't know how spoiled we were. Oh them. yeah, it's a uh, it's a bike that's got you know a little nicer finish and bearings and um, better tolerances. The, the bikes that shift better, they're a joy to ride on. I mean, you can take a really good bike and forget to maintain it, and they're not fun to ride on. That's the thing I wanted to talk about was maintenance because you buy a bike and 
you need to learn proper maintenance because it's it's a really big difference. You feel it when the tires aren't aren't inflated properly. Now I know this is obvious to you, but you know I have friends that they get tired of riding and riding's not for them. And then I check the tire pressure, and you know it's at forty or something, or it looks you know they they push their thumb on it like when they were a kid, mm-hmm. and that was enough. So could you tell us a little bit about how you maintain your bikes, how you look at your bikes, and what you look for when you go riding or before you get on for that big ride? Uh, I think the more you ride, the more you tend to um, look at your bike. I, I've got to the point where just out of habit, I, I pump my tires up every day. Every day. If I have a pump. I have a gauge on it. It's there. It's easy to do. I'm used to it. and. You know, if the bike isn't inflated enough, you you know it pretty quickly. And plus, if you hit something, you're more prone to just pinching the tube against the t- uh, the rim and flatting the bike. And that can happen even with it inflated, right? But it's more likely when you don't have enough air in the tire. Um, you know, you should probably get used to wiping your chain off. You know, ideally every time you ride, and then but most for most of us, if we can wipe it off, you know, once a week or whatever. Um, and chains, the more gears you get in the back, the thinner the chains become because um, you've got spacing. You've got to have a thinner chain to fit 11 speeds in the same space. You had five gears before, and the thinner the chain, the lighter the chain, the faster they wear out, and especially if they're not kept lubricated. And, you know, you want to keep lube. You don't want it all over the bike, but the best way to lube a chain is pick whatever you want to use. A bike lube is probably the best. Okay. But in a pinch, I mean, there's great... Uh, stories of people running into an Italian deli and buying some olive oil. Really? Oil, oil lubrication is, you know, lubrication. Obviously, olive oil is going to attract a lot of dirt, but it smells nice. Um, but you want to make sure when you get done lubing it that, you, that the lubrication needs to get in the rollers and the pins of the chain. It doesn't really need to be all over the chain. So you can kind of take a cloth and scrub off the excess lube, and then it doesn't attract dirt, get all over your bike, get into the gears quite as badly. The cleaner the bike is and the drivetrain, just the better it rides. Okay. Um, the other thing to look for is most bikes have a, a cable connecting the gears, connecting the brakes, and metal cables stretch. They get worn. They get um, Stuff gets in the housing. So if your bike isn't shifting well or braking well, usually a little adjustment of that uh, will bring everything back into working nicely, and you're, not, you're riding more because your bike is working well. Right. And you can do that kind of stuff yourself. Bikes are bikes are wonderful things because I I know for myself and for a lot of people I've talked to it's it's kind of a therapeutic thing. You it's you, you don't really need a lot of tools to do basic stuff on a bike. It's pretty easy. I mean, there's so many online tutorials and books that you can do basic stuff on your bike pretty well. When you get into certain things, it's better to have certain tools. You almost need them. But, you know, that's what shops are for. Or if you're into it, you, you start accumulating little specialty items and you fix things yourself. Okay, you wouldn't uh, write off trying to chew your own wheel or anything like that. You'd bring that There's in. There's actually a book called uh, The Art of Wheel Building. And it's if you look at wheels, you're, you're taking your weight at 30 or 40 miles an hour and you're asking this, this the wheel that's got a hub and a light rim and a bunch of spokes to balance all this pressure of you and the torque of turning and rolling and um so wheels it's really easy to take a wheel and work on it yourself uh, i can attest to this because i've done it 
and completely throw the wheel out of true. So wheels are going to have kind of two ways they work. You've got your left and your side to side, which is easy to look at and kind of say, okay, I'm going to tighten this one spoke because the wheel's too far the other way. But what you don't realize sometimes is as you're tightening spokes, you're also affecting how round the wheel is. Right. So you can, without a truing stand, you can you can do a number on a wheel and have to have the whole thing rebuilt. Um, but generally, you know, most of the bikes that come with wheels, most of the wheels that you see um, from middle to upper end bikes stay true for an amazing long time and are pretty easy to keep into shape. So how, how often do you bring, well, I guess you don't because you work at a bike shop, but uh, would, would someone bring in their bike for tune-ups? Most people that ride a lot, and I'll say a lot is um, over three or 4,000 miles a year, which is pretty okay. easy to do, will uh, probably every year to year and a half change out the cables and change out the housing. Um, that's one of those quick fixes that the bike starts working better. Um, the, one of the big issues we talked a little bit about, as you get to more gears, the chains get narrower. Right. Um, chains wear out, especially if they're, you don't keep on lubed, keep them clean, keep them lubed. Um, chains, uh, generally, if you keep do minor maintenance on them, will last you a few thousand miles. But I've seen pe- chains that wear out at five and 600 miles that no one took care of, didn't lube. And chains are kind of interesting because you're not just looking at the chain, but how the chain interfaces with all your gears. And the more that chain, they call it stretch, but it's just basically wear, the more it gets worn, the deeper it goes on the teeth, on the front and the back. Right. To the point where it still shifts well, but when you buy a new chain, the new chain skips, doesn't work, and you end up having to buy a new cassette in the back and new chain rings, and that gets expensive. Right. Now, one thing I did try to, did want to try and get in here is what you take with you when you go biking, uh, like your repair kit. Well, there's sort of two, two aspects to this. Road bikes. And I'm I'm kind of really bad with this, but I think road bike people should take the bare minimum to ride. You're buying an expensive bike or buying a bike for lightweight. Right. Why do you want to carry, you know, everything with you? I mean, I've seen people with bike bags on the back, and I, I swear that they emptied them out, and, you know, there were pins from I voted for Eisenhower still in there from when they got the bag originally. Right. Um, but for a road bike, um, you you should carry a tube. Right. And if you're really worried about it, carry two tubes. But you know, the bare minimum is one tube, some way of inflating the tire, and the popular way is to use a CO2 cartridge, which means you need a, a head for the CO2 so you can inflate it. A couple of tire levers. Usually you don't need three, so you can pry the tire on and get it off. Um, and that's about it. And other nice things to have, there's a little adapter you can get that lets you, um, on some of the bike tires, they have a special valve called the Presta valve. Right. There's an adapter you can get that screws onto that, and you can go to a gas station and use a gas station to pump your tire up So if you if you need it. Um, you can carry a patch kit, but realistically, if you're riding with friends, nobody's going to wait for you while you try to figure out where the tiny pinhole is on your tube. Okay. So, so just take it off, put a new tube in, inflate it with CO2, because it takes much less time than trying to pump up a tire to 100 pounds with a mini pump. Now, if you're going mountain bike riding, and one other thing on road bikes that's sometimes nice to carry is a little tool so you can tighten a bolt. You don't need a tool with a, the Swiss Army knife of bike tools, but something that's got basic Allen wrenches, three, four, and five, and six, maybe eight, 
and a screwdriver, and then you can probably tighten and fix most anything. If you're going mountain biking, where you're not going to be quite as accessible to roads or streets or people picking you up, you probably want to carry a few more things, maybe a chain tool so you can fix the chain. Um, the more you ride, you find what works for you and what you need. I mean, you can get to the point you can go really minimalist and have your cell phone and a credit card. You can go to a shop and have it fixed and call somebody to pick you up. Okay, uh, thank you very much. Uh, so I, I want to ask you something real quick because we are running out of time. And by the way, thank you very much. Oh, you're uh, welcome. Just so everybody knows, uh, Peter here uh, uh, decided, did the interview at the last minute. I mean, your your son called, told me you were around, and he called you, and you agreed to the interview. And uh, I just want to thank you very much for just doing that. I mean, what was it, like two minutes before we went on air? So uh, I just wanted to say thank you very much. Well, it's been my this. pleasure, and thank you. I've been trying to get one. I did want to ask you uh, something real quick. Uh, the CO2 cartridges, I see a lot of people blow up their tires doing that. Uh, usually what happens is when they put the new tube in, they have pinched the tube um, against underneath the bead of the tire. Right. So real quickly, because I know you're running out of time, if you put a new tube in your tire, uh, first thing to do is put the valve in and then push the valve up into the, into the tire Put the rest of the tube in, make sure you didn't twist the tube, and then once you've got the tire seated, you put the bead all the way around, start at the valve, use your thumb, pinch it, and look underneath and make sure the tube isn't underneath the bead of the tire anywhere. If it is, work it back and forth, get it underneath the tire. Um, yeah, that's one of those learning processes of bike. You'll, you'll take the thing, you'll use your CO2, inflate it, and look, and you see pizza tube sticking out, and before you can do anything, it blows up. Okay. The, well, other, the other big thing is if you have a flat, if something caused it, and before you put a tube in, find what, what caused it. And usually it's still on the tire, and a lot of times first, a big mistake first-time first tire changers do is they get done with it, everything's good, they ride about 50 feet, and it blows up again because the piece of glass or metal is still on the tire. Well, thank you very much. I'm, I'm out of time. Um, Barbara's going to come in next. But I want to say thank you very much for being with us. Well, as they say out there, keep the rubber side down. Keep the rubber side down. Thank you very much. Take care. And that was Peter, uh, I'm sorry, Gerard. Gerard. You have a good day, sir. You too. All right, bye-bye.